welcome to a new segment of what we remember called Personal Connections. Personal Connection. This is a segment where one of us has a personal connection with one of the films that we've done and uh, don't wants we all? to talk about it. Don't we all? Do I don't know. No, I don't think so. We, oh, with films okay. in general or this film in with, general? With some of the films we've chosen. Well, sure, but we didn't think about this segment at that point. This is a, this is a, new, this is a new thing. So, on the road to Highlander, mm. we're talking about the movies that we loved the most as as Highlander. General. As much as Andy Moldenhauer loves Highlander, we have to figure out what movie I love, Andy Hubert loves, as much. I chose Little Shop of Horrors. I don't think Andy Hubert knows what he's going to choose. I think it's already been chosen. He what? Ha- you might forget every once in a while. It's going to be okay. Apollo 13. Oh, right. Duh. Which will be our movie Duh. next week. Because <laughs> he doesn't stop talking about that film. The dude loves space. Dude loves space. Loves space. He loves Paxton. He uh, loves Hanks. You, you love Rick Moranis. He loves bacon. You, I do love You Rick love Moranis. plants. I that do talk love plants. In I, the voice of a four tops. I love this movie in general. We So, to just for a little bit of um, background, we haven't done part two of the show yet. No. So We just watched it, though. We did just watch it. And uh, so we might like step on some ground that you've already heard, but whatever. Who cares? Yeah, I don't care. Well, we could. We don't have to talk about the plot. No, 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 no. That's kind of the whole point of this podcast is to not talk about the plot. Yeah. My personal connection with the film. I saw this when I was little, and I thought it was the most magical, crazy thing I'd ever seen. It scared me. How little were you? I was like seven. Like not eight. even born. Yeah, not even yet. <laughs> like I had just seen like Ghostbusters, so like that was my Rick Moranis. You were you, you were born when this movie came out? Uh, I was, three the year years before. before. I was born three in eighty four. Eighty four. I thought this... Oh, this 86. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or, or 87. I forget which 86. one. 86. Okay. Because it's said that it lost... Which am I going to say again? It lost best song to Take My Breath Away from Top Gun. Of course it did. <laughs> Duh. I mean, it's so obvious that it would. Mean Green Mother from Outer Space took it. It was it was nominated, but it didn't get... It didn't. That's a good song. What's your favorite song in the uh, in the show? I guess um, we're going to talk about that in part two, but whatever. Let me I mean, the, the theme song, the yeah. main song is classic. Gets you right into it. Yeah, that sets the, sets the whole story, right? Where you are, who's the character? You have to remind me some of the songs, though. Okay, well, we'll do that in part two. Let's not talk about the movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was the most magical thing when I was a kid. This nerdy guy... Seymour Krellborn. Like, he's the everyman. Do you identify as him, or...? I did at some point. Sure, I wore glasses. It's, I mean, that's like... That's true. That's all part of the, true. the thing. Super nerdy. This is when, like, when nerdiness wasn't cool. Being, like, a nerdy Revenge plant of the guy. Nerds. Oh, and it was also, yeah. It wasn't cool. No, that wasn't cool. No, they made him, like... They tried to make him cool, but they... As uncool as possible. It's true. <laughs> and Seymour Krellborn is, like, the uncoolest guy. But he has dreams. He has aspirations. He has. He, he wants that white picket fence house, mm. wife, job situation. He just, wa- he just wants to get just out. The American Everybody dream. wants to get out of the Skid Row. That's the whole thing. Is just to like Down get out on right? Skid Row, and, it, <laughs> and he'll do whatever he can. He'll sell his soul to the devil. It's the Faust tale, which I didn't really like. Put two oh, two I didn't together, think. Yeah, but it totally is because he, he's so he sells himself. To the devil yeah. in order to have some type of fame or something like yeah, that. Yeah, in order to have the good life. Mm. And it all blows up in his face. Mm-hmm. But either way... That's the a an- good point. I the, didn't think about that. The animatronics in the film? Oh, my. 
there's so tronics up, up in this piece. <laughs> so much tronics. <laughs> I'm looking at this movie. You can't, like, this was at a time where there was a, a very wide separation between what you saw in a television show and what you saw in a movie, right? Yes. Like, they got, they're closer and closer in this day and age. But, like, the stuff that you see in Little Shop of Horrors could never be, like, recreated on a television show whatsoever. No, it'd be way too expensive. The Muppets can do, like, it campy and do it weird. Uh-huh. But, like, this, this plant... It looks incredible. Like, everything is just perfect to me it's, in this film. It's a good musical. And there's shots. The shots, the transitions between scenes. Like, mm-hmm. in the there's there's the moment where Seymour Coburn first brings Audrey into the plant shop. And it's like a POV from the plant looking up and all the characters, like, combine. It's like yeah. one of my favorite shots in cinema like history. Kind of like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, sort of. <laughs> I'll say, but I don't have like the personal. You don't have the personal connection. But I can see this being a really good musical to go see. Almost like better as a musical than as a movie. That's what made it successful. It was the musical beforehand. Was it a musical beforehand? It was. It was a crappy Roger Corman film that took two days to shoot. Uh huh. And then twenty years later, they turned it into a musical, and then they turned the musical into this movie. So they made the musical in the early eighties. Yeah. And then they oh. And it did great. It was an off-off-Broadway production. Well, that's super cool. I didn't think about that. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And now it's like a huge Broadway musical, basically. Yes, but there are plot elements changed between this film and the the Broadway one. Well, yeah, I think this movie would be too short for a... For a Broadway musical, like a musical is like usually two two, two and a half hours. Yeah, you get an intermission in there. Two hours with an intermission, yeah. But it also makes sense in terms of a film for like the three-act structure. Which, you know, the plays, you know, I'm not like a playwright, but usually the two acts is what makes sense to me. Like the first act, second act kind of thing. Mm. Maybe there's a third act, like kind of, I don't know what it's called. De Yuma. I don't I'm Wait, what are you things. talking about in this? The difference between a play and a film. Oh, a play? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. I, what is it? Is it, it, I can't remember. Yeah, it might be first act and second act. Yeah. yeah. But this movie puts the, the three act structure together in like a really nice way to me. It's very yeah. clear, like what happens, what starts. I mean, yeah, there's definitely still a three act structure in a in a musical or a play for sure. Okay, but it is broken up by those two segments. Mm. Yeah, I thought this movie is like a fantasy come to life, and there's like a juxtaposition between the real world slumminess and then like Audrey's vision of like what could be and what the character's life could be, and like they start to grow together as the plant makes Seymour more famous. Like, the movie itself becomes more vibrant and colorful. As Seymour Colburn's fame grows, so does the the movie itself in terms of, like, quality and, like, what colors they use. It almost, it almost looks like a totally different movie once that second act kicks in. So how has this movie impacted your life in oh, terms of being a director yourself? Here's the question. There, I love it. Hit me with it. <laughs> So I shot a movie a few years ago called The Short Happy Life of the Brown Oxford. It's been shortened to The Short Happy Life. It's on YouTube. You can find it. There's complications with the movie. I'm going to leave it at that. But um, Legally. Legally, yeah. But it was entirely inspired by Little Shop of Horrors. I wanted to make a movie that was like Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. This otherworldly thing happens to a seemingly regular couple. They have to deal with it in, the, in my movie which is based on a Philip K. Dick thing, which is why it's complicated legally. The sh- A shoe comes to life, and it's about the couple trying to deal with it. In the same way, this plant comes into Seymour's life, and then he has to deal with it. 
this movie definitely, you know, goes off the the rails and does like way more things. It's more about killing and whatever. There's like another shoe that it meets another shoe, and they mm-hmm. bang. That's how the movie ends. And uh, I so you wanted to make your own little shop of horrors. I wanted to make my own little shop of horrors, and I would literally yank scenes from Little Shop of Horrors and shots and put them in this movie. Yeah, because I I think like there's so many impactful scenes to me with the montages and the character acting which I love the sets, which are great. The clothing, which is like of the time. Like that's like one of my favorite time periods for whatever reason, like um, the eighties, like set is the sixties. Yeah. I think that's just like a, a fun thing to do because mm-hmm. those time periods are pretty close together. Yeah. They're not too far off in terms of style. Yeah. And, uh, I would love to make a movie that's exactly like little shop of horrors at some point in my life. I want to do a Maybe make the, movie. Uh, the remake. I want to do a Little Shop of Horrors television show for HBO, for all I care. <laughs> or, you know, I'll do a cartoon It'd be, it'd be like super gritty. Yeah, super griming and gritty. Yeah, a lot of killing. Yeah, starring Tom Hiddleston. Oh, <laughs> down on Skid Row. And, and Emma Rossum. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh, she's from Shameless and Fan of the Opera. Oh, yes. She's, oh, she's a great know, combination actress singer. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. It would be good That's as a, a TV show, I think. You could do it. Anything could be a TV show these days. Right? They, was, they don't have enough. No. You can crap <laughs> hey, have a TV you seen show that one show? Um, <laughs> no, I can't. There's too many. There's a thousand. I can't. There's, there's, a, there's like three or four that keep starting up that people it's tell like me unfair, to watch. It's unfair. You know, growing up, mm-hmm. we only had just like a couple channels. Yeah. You know, on, on basic TV. And those were, those were the primetime shows that people watched. They weren't talking about cable shows. No one was really like... Oh, you see that cable show the other day? And books... Now it's like everything. Used to stay books or turn into movies. Books never became television shows. <laughs> that's like a whole new concept that's happening. With graphic novels and books being TV shows. Yeah, I mean, well, the It movie, that's like an early one. But you're right, it, it's pretty rare. It didn't really happen too much. Oh, yeah, but that was like a miniseries. It was a miniseries. It wasn't like... I can't even think of a 90s television show that might have been based off a book series. Maybe like The Babysitter's Club? Maybe that had like a you mean PBS like a show, show that just like keeps going because it, like if it's based off a book then like it's just gonna follow the book storyline. I think guess. they're just gonna like start with the book and then take run with it. Yeah, or just something? run with it. Just, just <laughs> I don't like, think that exists. Use it. Well, Man Seeking Woman was a great example that happened on FX. Yeah, but ago. that wasn't really like a novel. Was, was it? it? Not, yeah, it was. A, it was a short novel that they turned into a series. Oh really? I mm-hmm. thought it was like a series of just like fun stories, <laughs> stories about dating. No, yeah, not really. Oh, I never read it. Kinda I never looked into it. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. A lot of the stuff is lifted into the pilot. Like the the pilot is almost the book, and there's maybe like the first three episodes are almost the book. And there's I elements. Wonder, I, I just can't picture what that would look like, like because because there's a lot of uh, props and stuff in in the TV show, so I can't really picture yeah what the book would be like. It's it's a tricky thing because you can write something in a book and it's costing you zero money, but then you start putting it on the screen. You try to make a plant. Come to life, you're going to pay up the wazoo for this. It's going to be expensive. Yeah. I haven't really watched this movie in a long, long time. I had this movie on VHS. A friend taped it off television for us because we used to have a friend that did that. That's fun. That's like BitTorrent in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. It's like a friend who had like pay-per-view Small channels network. or like an HBO subscription subscription and a VHS player. Yeah. That was the key. Yeah. I used to have like wrestling events taped mm-hmm. on video. You get like three different movies, movies on one movie on like one VHS. It was yeah, like, it's the holy grail of movies. Yeah, when like Christmas 
would come around you to get all the like home alone and stuff like tape that home alone Two, tape that mm-hmm. so you get the commercials in there and stuff oh well, yeah if when you're watching it you pause it during the commercials i didn't do that you try to get like that perfect cut of the movie no, no we, we never, never did that we just we left it all commercials and everything yeah. i did it a few times for, for some <laughs> movies it's like i'm gonna make this the, like the, the, i'm watching the vhs tape Mm-hmm. And you'd like get a little bit of the commercial and like you you'd like you miss a line, miss a little bit of the line before <laughs> that when you come back. Yeah, so I f- never did that. Someone else, my mom must have done that, or my my dad, or something like that. We still have those VHS tapes. A lot of them were like Showtime or HBO, so you do get like the whole film. It was pretty rare, I guess. I would maybe do it for TV a lot too. I'd like tape to television. But then I would just leave the commercials in. I would just like set the VCR to record or whatever. Mm-hmm. My mom still did that up until like five years ago. She really? Used, she used like the VCR to record television, yeah. Until you showed her, showed, showed her uh, Pirate Bay and how to, how to <laughs> download uTorrent. Well, well no, it doesn't. It's just not even important. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now she just watches whatever. Yeah, there's there's plenty of stuff to watch. Mm-hmm. But there used to be like multiple programs on at the same time, which made it conflicting. So you could tape something off another network while you're watching another show. Yeah. And then later you could rewatch that thing. TiVo. Mm-hmm. That lasts for for a bit. I think TiVo might still be around. It is, but like people don't really use it anymore. Yeah, don't need it. I never had it. I, never, I didn't either. I was never a TiVo house. No. And whatever was after that, the on demand like tape recording station. It's a. It's. I don't want it. I don't. I don't. Want you don't it. need it. I don't want it. I'll just miss it. Not a big deal. At this point, it doesn't matter. I'll just go watch YouTube clips. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Watch the recap. I'll get the gist. See the see the good stuff when it matters. Mm-hmm. Little shop of horrors. Little shop of horrors. <laughs> My entire family loved this film. We would watch oh, it I together. Bet. It was very frightening, and I probably like blocked out like the scariest, scariest scenes and just concentrated on the like the little funny things. Mm-hmm. They weren't that scary too. What, this movie wasn't that scary, or you thought it was? I didn't think it was that scary. The mouth, when the camera zooms into the plant's mouth like three or four times, uh, it's got that weird tongue. I don't know. He had a goofy voice. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't seem that scary. He had teeth. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, and he's a puppet, too, so I don't know. I mean, if I was a kid, I'd maybe have a different feeling, but There's, like, I think I saw this later. There's dark themes, too. Like, when Steve Martin puts on that gas mask as a kid, I'm seeing that, like... That seems dark. Domestic violence is like yeah. a big piece of this movie too, which is like <laughs> that goes ah. over your head as a kid. Yeah, <laughs> you're like that's normal. And there's the when the dentist puts the photograph of the the dog in the dentist chair. He like has like look at this is what a human mouth looks like or whatever like worst kind of mouth and it's just like a weird oh yeah it was like a rat thing. or something. Yeah, it was it, something it, something horrible. It, it, it close was, up of a mon- yeah, like Seymour's all scary. It's some animal. Yeah. They have, like, black gums and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was probably a rabbit animal. <laughs> Seymour chops up that body. I mean, that's a dark scene. That is, but they show it in shadow. Which is which is also something that I really like as a filmmaker. So it's technique. like, yeah, yeah, it's it's very film noir. Mm. Mm. This movie obviously takes from those movies, like a film noir yeah. and films before it. But it's as your first impression of this movie, it's like, oh, this movie's incredible. It's doing all these original, innovative things. Not knowing, it's just like, it's also taking from things in the past. So have you watched Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? Not recently, but I have seen that movie. Yeah, that came out the year before this movie. Frank Oz, mm-hmm. same director. That one has no puppetry whatsoever. Well, Steve Martin. 
Okay, well. <laughs> he's like a living puppet. Call like you see it. <laughs> he's a living puppet man. <laughs> he's like a Robin Williams living puppet man. Yeah, Frank Oz has done some interesting stuff, right? What else has but he directed? But he also has been working with... He did the Muppet movie, I, would, I thought. The original Muppet film. What, what is that called? The Muppet movie. It, oh, really? Yeah, it's just called the Muppet movie. What are they... Came out in the seventies, eighties. Uh, yeah, late seventies, early eighties. It's the one where Kermit the Frog. The, I don't think I've ever seen amnesia. a Muppet movie. No, I used to think I liked them as a kid, but I haven't seen them in forever. I'm sure they're okay. I think I like the Great Muppet Caper, but I don't really know what happens in it. That's another one. Mm-hmm. I know, like they do, like the Christmas Carol. Yeah, and Treasure Island. I think there's one where they like, go to New York. Or something. Muppets Take Manhattan. Oh, that's, that's one of the, the new ones, right? No, it was like in the 80s or 90s. Oh, you're thinking of Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> I am not, but things used to take Manhattan. More than one thing can take Manhattan. You know, Andy. Godzilla might have done it one time. Godzilla did it in he the 90s. He took Manhattan. <laughs> he took Manhattan in the 90s. In the 90s, he took it. <laughs> See, Manhattan's takeable. Gremlins kind of took Manhattan, although it was... I will find you. It's, oh, Taken. You can't take Manhattan. You think Liam Neeson could fight Gremlins? You think that would be a fun movie? A, a Gremlins you, movie with Liam Neeson? Would you, ca- would you cast Liam Neeson in a new Gremlins film? <laughs> yeah, I'd cast him as the guy on the tractor. Oh, yeah, Futterman. Tractor guy, Futterman. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I've got a particular set of skills. It's boring a tractor. All right, wrong Gremlins. movie. <laughs> Wait, no, actually, it might work. It just might I'd work. I like shoveling around Gremlins and killing them. <laughs> Never bathe them after me. I will find gremlins, and I will take them. <laughs> and I will not feed them after midnight. And I will not. Oh, I spilled some water. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, no. oh. <laughs> Looks like we're going to have to find them. <clears throat> what else should take Manhattan? Well, this plant took Manhattan. Yeah, but... the, the plant, the, the alternate ending. I don't know how much of the alternate ending we're going to talk about in part two. So, I Well, that's the to... one I saw. I was trying to. Uh... I mean, I did see the other one that you sent. Yeah. I was trying to avoid talking about the comparisons. Um... My mom liked a movie. Like when she my, took Manhattan. When my mom likes movies, you like movies. As yeah, like a well, kid. Yeah. Whatever your mom watches, you. She loved the Batman film. She liked Cocoon. Okay, but there's got to be like she some little trajectory where it's like you cross that threshold where it's like okay, now I I, I like my I own like things. my own things, and she likes <laughs> Failure to Launch. She likes a lot of. Listen, stuff. How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. Okay, I get it. You want to watch it three times in a row. Army of Darkness is one of her favorite films of all time. Your mom's? Yes. <laughs> what? She loves it. Oh, Every it's time like it's a on. campy comedy. It, she, I don't know. She just loves, you know, these kind of films. These, like, goofball... Like, anytime somebody making a funny face, she's on board. <laughs> well, I'm, who, who isn't? What, she likes Ace Ventura? I don't think she likes Jim Carrey. Films. Oh, he makes funny faces the entire movie! Yeah, it might be too much, like, fart and poop humor. Well, of course, it was too much, yeah. <laughs> like, Dumb and Dumber is, like, all... That's a lot of fart and poop humor. It's a bit much. Yeah. I don't think she ever liked him, but I could watch Ghostbusters anytime. My mom probably got sick of me putting that tape in the VCR. Okay. What other Rick Moranis movies do you watch, though? Because you you like this movie because Rick Moranis is in it, number one, I think. Oh, my gosh. He's so good. I think that's your number one. Number two is that it it has really good puppetry. Yes. Number three is probably like you like the music. Well, the music, too. Yeah. The music's the Motown. Yeah. So what other Rick Moranis movies have you seen that are maybe Um, not the common ones? Streets of Fire. What the? (laughs) What is that? (laughs) That was a movie he made in the 80s. Is that the Warriors director? Yeah, it's it's a Walter Hill film. Walter Hill? Yeah. (laughs) 
It sounds like him. Friend of the podcast, Brandon Wilson's like one of that, his favorite films. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. He plays like this like scummy music manager guy. He's like kind of a he's almost a villain of the film or like another villain of the film. Mm-hmm. He's, just okay. a, he's just a jerk. Okay. Got, we got all those Honey I Shrunk movies. Sure, sure. That's that's his uh, bread and butter right there. Mm-hmm. You ever seen My Blue Heaven? I have. I've seen that one. We've talked about that, I think. <laughs> Steve Martin. Yeah, I feel bad for Rick Moranis in that movie. I forget, like, Steve on. Martin is a mafia guy, but then he gets amnesia or something. I know, like, the cover very well, where he's, like, he's, holding a lawnmower. Yeah. He's got the weird hair in that I think film. he was, like, a bad, like, Steve Martin was a bad mafia guy, and then he gets, like, he gets some type of brain injury, and he turns into this, like, lovable guy. But I don't remember why Rick Moranis is in the mix. Yeah. He has to, like, Are they take related? care of him. Might be his brother-in-law, or I don't know. Steve, Mar- I don't Ma- know. Steve Martin '80s movies is a whole other like subject we can talk about. Man with two brains, the jerk. I, I feel yeah. like like Tom Hanks kind of like overshadowed Steve Martin in terms of like male comedic sure. lead in films. He was always playing sure, second. They're, they're fiddle, kind of the I same. Think. Yeah, they're yeah. If you can't get Tom Hanks, you get Steve Martin. Is yeah. what I'm trying to get at right. L.A. Story. Roxanne, um, my father, the bride, father, the bride, my, my father, the bride, my father, the bride. That's a my film. father, the bride. That's a good movie. My father, the bride. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a 2020. Yeah, that's movie. a coming of age. My film. father, the bride. <laughs> coming of age film. <laughs> coming of middle yeah, age. You're dealing with some film. stuff with that. My father, the bride. <laughs> <laughs> there was two of those. Films? That's, that's a movie that I don't even think I would want to watch. He became like a family guy. Uh, he did in the '90s. He was like the the head of a household. He did who did all a bunch of head of the household films. Remember bringing down the house? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never <laughs> that, saw that. That was but... great. <laughs> uh, Eugene Levy is hilarious in that movie. Yeah, so, but I also like Steve Martin in Little Shop of Horrors. I thought he was funny. He was great. This character is so weird and just straightforwardly like bad. Mm-hmm. He's unabashedly a villain. Like there's yes. no there's no hiding it. He enjoys. Well, I mean, he sings Being a song awful. about like how he enjoyed inflicting pain, and then his mom <laughs> encouraged him to become a dentist because that was that the perfect. That fit dentist for him. song is also very fun. It is. That's like one of my. That's my favorite song in the whole movie. Yeah, it's a little slow at the beginning until they get into the the chorus part. But they do that screen projection, like where he's just like obviously just on. Yeah. Yeah, I talked about that on, in part on, a, one. on a set. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's just scrolling by him. I love. I actually really love that in movies. I I like when movies have just a projection in the background and you could tell it's kind of fake. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that. <laughs> That's getting more and more advanced now with the uh, the screens and like The Mandalorian, for example, where it's like almost a three D image behind the actor, and mm. when you move the camera, the image also moves like mm-hmm. with the camera and can like change. Yeah, it's actually a, there, a virtual there's going to be a time and not too far down the road where you'll just be able to make a movie on your computer without having to have any actors. You pick them pull pieces yourself and go okay i want this person in the movie but i have i have all the images i need of them and then i have all of the possible you know voice that's recording a, that's that what's I, happening out with the marvel films yeah i mean like the what's, Robert Downey jr is just a head in those what's films. that called it's like um it's uh deep fake deep fakes yeah that's exactly what that is so mm. that's going to get even better down the road and they're going to use that for movies but also also for bad stuff too <laughs> Uh, yeah, like I was saying, like Robert Downey Jr. is just a head in the Avengers films. 
and they mm. just replace his body. The whole like his, he's just a floating head they can kind of put anywhere they want. Oh, because he's inside the, the outfit. Out- well, he's just wearing a green bodysuit. Oh, he's like not even on set some of the time. Really? Yeah, it's it's That's weird. So dumb. It's it's really dumb, That's but dumb. it's convenient for the actor. You know, I hate says, that he can just show up for like a month, shoot the scenes, and be done. Yeah, well, the next step beyond that is uh, they already have all of it, and they don't need you anymore. But the, but but you have some contract where it's like, okay, I'll sign away my rights to be in whatever movie that you choose, and uh, I don't even need to be there because you already have all my sounds yeah. and my pictures. One of my favorite movies to watch as a kid. I I still watched it now and enjoyed it. The music's mm-hmm. still rocking. Um, there's some stuff. There's some subtle things I noticed this this time around that I didn't notice ever before. And uh, and this was our first musical. Yeah, I love musicals. My my mom liked musicals too. I think like maybe Charlie and the Chocolate Factory <laughs> might have been the first musical I've ever seen. Could have been Wizard of Oz, but it's like one of the two. Yeah, Wizard Wizard of Oz has got to be it. That's like one of the earliest movies. That movie. Has some scary moments when you're a kid. Yeah. Those monkeys. Oh, and yeah. And that witch. Oh, boy. <laughs> you said, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, that was a personal connection. And, uh, it felt and, personal. And we'll probably do one for Apollo 13 with Andy Hubert. We'll probably do one with Highly with Andy Moldenauer. And anytime we have a personal connection with one of these films. It sounds, it's, it sounds personal. Get ready to answer the call for the personal connection. Ring, ring, ring. Personal connection. Personal connection. <laughs>